Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE podcast. My name is Mimi Burris, and I am psyched to talk about last night's... I don't know why I'm so excited. I am psyched, though, to talk about last night's Dynamite episode with you guys. We had two championship matches and everything in between as well, so so much to get into, as always, and we are going to jump right into all of it right after this. a little sweet on Christian Cage, if you know what I mean. The AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. Nobody is on my level. The TBS Champion. Nobody better in the world. I want you to fire me. You So like I said, a whole bunch to get into today, and I'm excited to talk about all of it with you guys. But first and foremost, I hope you have had a wonderful day, a wonderful Wednesday, a wonderful Thursday, a wonderful week, and I hope you guys have a great weekend planned as well. Hope everything is all well with you, and I hope you're just as excited to talk about Dynamite as I am, because really... I feel like Dynamite and AEW as a whole is really kind of coming back into form. I feel like around Forbidden Door, things got a little bit muddled. I know I wasn't doing a podcast at that time. I was too busy with all of this wedding stuff. However, I don't know. I guess I came back and AEW just started to get back into form again. It seems like we are forming long-term stories again. A whole lot to... uh, a whole lot to sink your teeth into. So I'm excited to talk about tonight's episode because I really enjoyed it overall. I thought they made the right decision in the first match. I thought they made the right decision in the last match. I thought a lot of matches were really entertaining on this show. I thought the backstage stuff wasn't too much. Still a couple of things I have a couple problems with, and we'll get into all of that as well. Mostly mostly the women's division, and here's this for a tease. We're going to talk about something that I am terrified that is coming to AEW very soon. It's looking like it. The form uh, or things are being formate, formated. Things are being formatted and things are being put together that are uh, very telling. And uh, we're going to talk about all that a little bit later on in the show. But before we get into the first match, I want to quickly plug Patreon. $1 a month for all these shows ad-free. And you can also subscribe on iTunes for all of these shows ad-free as well and some exclusive content from what I understand. So a whole bunch uh, that comes along with being a subscriber or a Patreon subscriber on or a patron, whatever they call it, uh, for the WWE podcast. So I don't know if you're what you're doing if you're not subscribed already, but get to it. We all hate ads. Nobody likes ads, but they do make the world go round. So... All right, guys, let's just jump right into this first match, which was the TNT title match, Wardlow versus Scorpio Sky. And this was, I mean, it was kind of a glorified squash match, if you want to call it that. Wardlow dominating most of the beginning of the match, and then we went to break. Uh, and Scorpio Sky got a little bit of offense in, but Wardlow uh, really quickly hit this beautiful senton. Uh, team top, American top, I was about to call him team top team. American top team runs in, tries to make an interference. Wardlow, just like the security guards, beats the living crap out of all of them. And then, uh, just when we think he's getting distracted, just when we think, oh my God, this is all going to happen. This, this, we'll talk about it afterwards, I guess, about why the street fight was so ingenious. But, uh, Scorpio Sky hitting Wardlow with the title belt and the kick out at two. They got me there. I bit. I really thought they weren't going to put the title on Wardlow and I was going to be pissed. So Wardlow kicks out though at two and then basically pulls the straps down, hits a uh, spine buster and pulls the straps down and hits uh, three power bombs, gets the pinfall, the stand 
outstanding pinfall nonetheless. And we have a new TNT champion. Uh, we got the confetti. We got the fireworks. We got the whole hoopla. And uh, definitely well-deserved. And definitely, uh, it, it's about time. It is It is. Wardlow's time for sure. It is Wardlow's world. Uh, and we are all just living in it. But yes, I think the street fight uh, aspect of this. First, I was kind of questioning, like, why did they do that? Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. However, I understand exactly now why when I uh, had that title shot and I bit on that pinfall, or when I had that title shot, I did not get hit in the title. I did not get hit in the head with a title by Scorpio Sky. Wardlow did. But when he did get hit and I bit on that near fall, I understood exactly why they did a street fight. That's exactly why, because they wanted a little bit of doubt in the uh, outcome and to be able to have American top team come in and stuff like that. Uh, and cause interference, and then just to have Wardlow satisfyingly beat the crap out of them. Like, that was, sometimes it's just nice to have nice things, and that was a nice thing for me. I don't know about you guys, but the only thing I would have changed about this match is, I don't know, I would have put a chair shot or two in here and there, or something just to make it a little bit more street fight-y, maybe a kendo stick, something. Uh, maybe just have Wardlow break a kendo stick over his knee. Uh, that would have been cool. Just something to make it feel a little bit more like a street fight and not that, like they just so transparently made it a street fight. So the uh, result would be in doubt. But nonetheless, I really did enjoy this match. It was nice just to watch Wardlow kick the crap out of Scorpio Sky. It was nice to see someone else get the kick, uh, someone else get the crap kicked out of him later on in the show too. And I'm just really sick, I guess, but we're going to talk about that later as well. But yeah, I mean, this is a perfect cycle and it feels, uh, it feels ready due. And, you know, next we have Wardlow basically going to be able to repeat the cycle for someone else and put someone else over huge because whoever beats Wardlow for that TNT title, I know I'm getting really ahead of myself, but whoever beats Wardlow for that TNT title is going to be put over huge. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster and has been booked exactly as so. I mean, that match with MJF didn't go more than two minutes, really. I mean, it did, I guess, technically. But really, Wardlow just pinned him real quick after a bunch of power bombs. I think it was 10 satisfying power bombs. And uh, I think Wardlow's going to have a bunch of squash matches, really. I, I don't. I don't want to see a bunch of competitive matches with Wardlow yet. It's nice to see him do things like the Senton or whatever, and we see what else he's got in the tank for sure. But I just kind of want to see Wardlow squash some people, like give him someone from the Dark Order, do an open challenge, kind of do the Darby Allen thing or the Miro thing, but better. Uh, because just watching Wardlow beat people up is really fun for me. I don't know about you guys. So, uh, All right, next up we had John Moxley cutting a promo. He said people think Brody King are, is going to surprise him and catch him off guard, but he knows exactly what kind of monster Brody King is. And he said that 10 days ago he took a man he deeply respects in Hiroshi Tanahashi and bloodied and battered him. And uh, he, he compared blood and guts to uh, golfing on a Sunday. I love that line. We were cracking up about that. Uh, and basically said that he is violent and he's going to be more violent and he's going to beat the crap out of... Uh, Brody Lee, and you know, not much to say about this. A John Moxley promo is a John Moxley pl- promo. Plomo. A John Moxley promo is a John Moxley promo. I don't know what's going on. I can't speak today, but uh, I'm excited uh, to see what's next for John Moxley after this. We'll talk about the main event later, obviously, when we get to it. But I, I love John Moxley as our new world champion again. I think it was the right decision, though it would have been interesting to see what Hiroshi Tanahashi could have done in AEW. Uh, it was the right decision, obviously, at Forbidden Door to go with John Moxley, and I'm excited for the inevitable CM Punk John Moxley match. I'm excited to see who wins that match, and John Moxley really getting his just due, just being beloved by the fans. He really was the guy who led us all through the pandemic uh, as the champion. So, 
for me, you know, Kenny Omega is also in that category who really led us through the pandemic as well with amazing matches during that whole thing. So I want to give credit where that's due. I feel like we don't talk about that enough. We mainly give all the credit to uh, John Moxley, but Kenny Omega played a huge part as the champion during the pandemic as well. So uh, when we come back from commercial break, we have Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling trying to offer Keith Lee uh, a signature or get a signature from Keith Lee to get uh, sort of Strickland fired because he stabs people in the back. And uh, Keith Lee basically says no, and he's eating an apple, and he walks off and tells Tony Nese he loses a lot. And um, and then we had Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. And uh, this was a little touchy. This definitely was a little touchy, this segment. Uh, they came out, and Matt Hardy comes out real quick. Uh, and Christian Cage uh, is in a wonderful turtleneck. I just want to throw that out there. But uh, he tells Christian Cage that he's unreal and he's like the Michael Jordan of being an asshole uh, and says that him and Jungle Boy became really close towards the end of that and basically defends Jungle Boy. And yeah, then Christian Cage says that uh, the way Matt Hardy is talking is making uh, Jeff Hardy seem like the sober one. Uh... Matt Hardy tells Kristen Cage uh, that he was just using Jungle Boy to stay relevant, and that's the same thing he's doing with Luchasaurus, and he owns up. I, I really like this because he owned up to using Private Party and the Blade, and the boy well, he said the Butcher and the Blaze. Uh, so now the new tag team is the Butcher and the Blaze, which actually sounds really cool, but uh, the Blade is cool as well. Uh, but he says he really regrets it, and he feels bad that he took advantage of people, and he could go, uh, if he could, he would go back and, and change that. Christian Cage calls him a clout chaser, and he says uh, he'll use his kids, his father-in-law. Uh, he said he'd use, uh, he'd even turned a blind eye to his brother's issues so that he can have one last run in the tag team division. And again, another ooh from the crowd, another ooh from me, because ouch, uh, yeah, that hit home for sure. You could see Matt Hardy's reaction. Obviously, they had talked about this stuff beforehand, but that's still got to hurt to hear. Uh, he basically, Luchasaurus, beat the crap out of um, Matt Hardy after this and uh, put him to the timekeeper's table. And that was... Uh, I, listen, all right. First and foremost, I just want to say that I think anything that a wrestler feels like they want to use uh, in their pro wrestling storylines and all that stuff, if they feel comfortable doing it, then I feel like they have the privilege of doing it. It's really not our business to say, oh, that was a little too much or oh, whatever. Look at MJF. Uh, Methany. Can I bring you guys back to Methany uh, versus Brian Pillman Jr.? That was that a lot of the stuff said was really touchy there as well. And you know what? If the wrestler, Matt Hardy here, uh, consents to it and is cool with it, I think that it's perfectly fine because, like I said, we are not in the position to be able to tell wrestlers what they can and can't do with their own lives and their own stories and their own storylines. Uh, unless it becomes insensitive to other people. And uh, I don't think this really veered that line. I think this was mainly targeted at Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy, and it wasn't really just targeting at all people with addiction. Uh, if he had basically been making fun of people who have addictions and whatever else, then we'd have a different problem. But uh, it, I thought this towed the line perfectly. I thought Christian Cage came off as a real you-know-what, and the crowd really was booing him. So this was effective. This was a really effective segment. And it, and it helped a little bit to watch Matt Hardy get the crap beat out of him. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I don't know what it is. I just, ugh, Matt, I just, it's, there's some part of me that just wants to see Matt Hardy get the, I don't even want to see him get the crap kicked out of him. I just don't want to see him on my television anymore. 
Uh, And you know, with all respect to all the stuff he's done throughout the business, I just think it's Matt Hardy's time is up. Uh, But I thought this was a great foil and a great first. Like, this was my favorite Matt Hardy segment in a really long time. And I'm talking about a really long time. Like, in AEW period, probably. So, I thought this was really, really effective. Um, And yeah, and then we had a Blood and Guts recap following that. Tony Schiavone uh, then had an interview with Claudio and Jake Hager. Castagnoli? I I feel like I'm going to botch that over and over again. So we're just going to call him Claudio here on this podcast. But uh, yes, Jake Hager and Claudio sign a no uh, physicality agreement and they go back and forth. Uh, he uh, Hager says that Claudio isn't tough enough and he's never been a world champion, not in Ring of Honor, not in WWE, not in a- and he won't be in AEW. And Claudio says that uh, he debuted and beat he debuted, excuse me, and beat Zack Saber Jr. and then teamed in Blood and Guts and beat Jake Hager in the JAS, and he'll win again next week and go three and O. Oh. So yeah, I'm excited for this match. I, I think this was a great use of Jake Hager. This was some of Jake Hager's best stuff, I really think too. Usually, uh, he's better at being the dumb jock guy, but I thought this was really effective to uh, build the match between Claudio and Jake. So. Whatever's happening, it's working. I thought he looked great, too. Jake Hager has gotten himself into phenomenal shape all of a sudden, so no complaints there. And then up next, we had The Butcher and The Blaze uh, versus Swerve Strickland, uh, Swerve in Our Glory, Swerve in Our Glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Uh, and yeah, this we got a little bit of a tease of a breakup in this match. For the most part, this was back and forth, but we did get that quick moment where Keith Lee banged in a str- swerve Strickland, and you think, ugh, great, they're gonna like go with that, and that's why they're gonna break up and this whole thing. And it's like that typical cliche: someone moves out of the way, and you hit your partner, and then you and your partner fight. And it just wasn't. Uh, I was like, I really hope they don't do that, and they didn't. And uh, they fist pounded later on, and it was just a quick tease and swerve. And uh, Keith Lee did get the victory over the Butcher and the Blade here. The Butcher and the Blade look great. I just want to throw that out there as well. They they uh, don't get enough credit, I think, for the awesome work they do. They're perfect losers, and I don't mean losers in that sense. I just mean they're perfect at losing these matches, but still looking strong. I mean, look at the Blade or the Blaze. Uh, the man is shredded and the butcher looks like he's gotten himself into great shape, even better shape. And he is a massive man with an amazing mustache. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought this match was entertaining. Uh, no complaints here for me. I love watching Swerve Strickland wrestle. I hope hopefully we get a TNT title match at some point, maybe not against Wardlow. Uh, but I would definitely love to see a singles title around his waist for sure. I, I, I enjoy him more probably than Keith Lee even. I, I just think his ring style is so unorthodox and the way he does those step up kicks and all that other stuff it's just so fun to watch give me him versus Andrade uh that would be a really fun match um or him versus Roosh uh that would be interesting as well um against if he turns heel against uh Death Triangle any three members all good stuff all fantasy booking here I really like watching Swerve uh, wrestle so but uh, post-match powerhouse Hobbs and Rick Starks, Rick Starks, Rick Starks, like we're on a first name basis, Ricky Starks and Hobbs come out. Ricky Starks is fired up about God knows what. Basically says that they suck. They're really good. Uh, they haven't beat them. And then we get the Young Bucks coming out uh, saying that they basically called him out and says that they're two very good teams, uh, four and a half stars, though, at double or nothing. However, that's an off night for the Young Bucks, and I mean, they're not wrong, but I don't really like them talking, like, don't canonize star ratings. It's just, I don't know. I I just think uh, 
we shouldn't be caring about how good the match is. We should be caring about winning the match. So, uh, But they have a proposal, triple or nothing. Next week, the Young Bucks defend against Ricky Starks uh, and Hobbs and Swerve in Our Glory. In a, Swerve, in our, Swerve in Our Glory. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. In a triple threat match, except we hear an FTR chant interrupting the Bucks. Uh, they quickly say that they're better than FTR, um, and the crowd should know that. However... However, guys, I mean, this was clear. We we are all itching for the match between the Young Bucks and FTR, and I really think that that match, tag team match, could main event uh, all out, which I think is the next pay-per-view coming up. I really think they should have a tag team match main event. It would really, really solidify how important these tag team titles are in AEW and the, probably the best tag team. Now, without a doubt, the best tag team division in the world right now. Uh, and FTR, we got later on uh, talking about Ring of Honor, before I forget to mention that, talking about the Ring of Honor titles and how they're going to defend against the Briscoes again. That's going to be another great match. That first match was probably my favorite match of 2022 so far. So uh, definitely going to buy the pay-per-view just for that or watch the pay-per-view just for that. Uh, and 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 Wheeler Yuta versus Daniel Garcia. I want to throw that out there as well. I, I don't really care about Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe. I'm covering a bunch of quick little segments here, but uh, I, I'm on the topic now, so here we go. But yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that pay-per-view for those two matches, particularly, particular, specifically those two matches. So uh, and yeah, we're getting that triple threat match next, not triple threat, excuse me, triple or nothing match next week on Fighter Fest night one. So I don't know if it's night one and night two again, or if they're just doing it Fighter Fest, period. Uh, all right, next up we had Malachi Black cutting a promo saying a bunch of stuff I didn't understand about John Moxley. And then we had the Eddie Kingston segment where he comes out talking to Tony Schiavone. Uh, he congratulate, congratulates Wardlow first and foremost and congratulates everybody on the Blood and Guts team, even Claudio, and says, he, see, he's a nice guy. He's growing up. That makes a fart noise. Uh, love Eddie Kingston. No complaints. Uh, and then he said he's really out here to call Chris Jericho out for making him a liar. He didn't taste his blood, so he's going to get him again, and he's going to taste his blood, and he wants another match against Chris Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho shouts from a Tron, and this is obviously a pre-taped segment. Uh, with Ruby Soho, because Chris Jericho, as we know, is away on tour doing some some music stuff that he does with Fozzie. So, music stuff. He's playing music with Fozzie. He's playing with this band. He's on tour. Uh, or playing music. I don't know if he's on tour at all. But um, playing music. Why, do, why am I saying it like that? He's with this band. Uh, but yes, we had a pre-tape segment that was Chris Jericho out in the uh, parking lot, basically, and Ty Conti slams Ruby Soho's hand in a car. That looked brutal. I don't know how, what they did to make that not break Ruby Soho's hand, but that looked rough. And you know what? I'm excited for this feud between Ty Conti and Ruby Soho. Women fighting about stuff that doesn't have to do with uh, just titles. So I'll take it. You know, it is something for the women's division. That is a win for the women's division, which is a win for me and a win for you and a win for all of us. A win for women and men and people and everybody in between everywhere because this women's division is shit and it definitely needs anything it can get. So I will take this any day of the week. Um, we don't see Eddie Kingston after that, though, which was weird. We don't see any reaction from Eddie Kingston. They really just kind of cut away. But um, they they brought it back when we came back from commercial break and talked about it a little bit. So that is progress, I guess, with this whole fast-paced AEW thing, not letting anything register ever. Uh, so, yeah, um, the Dark Order segment was next. And this was just, this was just nice. Uh, John Silver hypes up Rochester. Obviously, this uh, dynamite was emanating from Rochester, New York, the home 
of Brody Lee and Dark Order Country. Evil Uno uh, talks about why it's important uh, that they stay here. This, or excuse me, talks why, talks about why it's very important to say this here today. Every single one of uh, uh, these people in Rochester should hear it. He thanks everyone for showing up and supporting them, and that the six of them are. Here to stay. Uh, little tease there, little breakup tease, but no, the Dark Order are not breaking up. Uh, and then we had a cute little moment with the negative one. He starts talking. Uh, QT Marshall, what an MVP, what a guy, comes out, basically says a bunch of non offensive stuff. And uh, then we get Hangman Page coming out. I don't want to say making the save, but beating up uh, QT Marshall. And basically, Negative One says he's going to wait till he's 18 to uh, finish this off with QT Marshall. So playing the long game, as uh, uh, Excalibur said. Uh, but yeah, this was just nice. No a- analyzing here, really. Uh, just nice when wrestling does nice things. And uh, AEW has really done an amazing job with this whole Brody Lee situation. Such a tragic, tragic thing that happened. And taking care of the family and Negative One. And to see Negative One anytime is uh, brightens up my screen. I think they're doing it. I think they do it just the perfect amount where it's just nice. It's not over the top. It's not too much. It's just nice to have nice stuff on wrestling. So uh, in our wrestling program. But speaking of nice and just nice stuff, we had uh, a nice match, which was Penta versus Roosh. <clears throat> uh, yeah, this was, um, I don't know, this was a little disappointing for me. I guess I've just expected more. Uh, I, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't think it was a great showing for Roosh, uh, for his first match in AEW. I think that, uh, I wanted to see, I was expecting like an NXT Andrade and I just didn't get that. And um, Penta looked great as always. Penta always looks great. But yeah, I thought this had way more potential than it uh, lived out to be. It was a good match. Don't get me wrong. Like it was a good match. Like three stars without a doubt. Maybe two stars, two and a half stars. Like passable, serviceable, no complaints. But you know, this is dynamite. It's all elite wrestling. I want elite stuff. And um, and not every match can be perfect. And this was kind of a... Uh, more of a lower note for me, but uh, I, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. Uh, Rush ends up putting a uh, 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 hitting a low blow again. More low blows. I feel like AE, I should start like a low blow counter. Uh, how many times people hit? Uh, how many times people get hit with a low blow? But yeah, I, I and that's the finish of the match. Obviously, with a schoolboy schoolboy pin from Roosh. Um, yeah, not much to talk about this. I I, I think. The Andrade uh, Death Triangle feud must continue. I, maybe we have Ray Phoenix versus Roosh next. I, I just didn't think you only get your first match in AEW once, and, and I didn't think this was a great outing. I don't think the crowd really responded to it. I think this was kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, the pee break match for some people. Even if they weren't leaving the stands, it seemed like everybody was taking a breather because they uh, nobody was really invested in Roosh. And, you know, these two guys have a story beyond just AEW, and I, I think if that... Like, I watched The Road 2, and they didn't even explain it on The Road 2. If there had been a little bit more depth into the story, and they put a little bit more effort into it and gave us some kind of video package, maybe it would have been a little bit easier to invest in this match. But they really didn't give much for us to sink our teeth into. So, um, yeah, we got the whole Death Before Dishonor promos of Jay Lethal, uh, Smojo, talking about Smojo, and then we got the other matches announced. And then we had Tony Nese trying to get signatures from Best Friends for their petition to remove Shane Strickland from the roster. And uh, Orange Cassidy says he doesn't sign anything without his lawyer reading it. And his lawyer is Dan Housen, uh, who rolls up and reads the contract uh, and says, 
uh, Orange Cassidy versus Tony Nese is set for Rampage basically next uh, Friday or this Friday coming up. And yeah, it was just a cute way to get to a match. Danhausen is great. Um, yeah, no, you know, good good stuff all around. I, I like I like cute wrestling sometimes too, and I like cute little stuff like this backstage. And everything doesn't have to be so serious. So, and Orange Cassidy always Orange Cassidy is on a hell of a run, and I assume that this match against Tony Nese is going to be phenomenal. I assume Orange Cassidy is going to get the victory as well, and I'd really like to see Orange Cassidy versus uh, John Moxley before CM Punk returns. I think that would be a really good interim World Championship match. And like I said, Orange Cassidy is on a roll, so I could definitely see it happening soon. Um, we had uh, Aston, uh, Aston, Ass Boys, Aston, Austin Gunn, and Colton Gunn, and the Acclaimed versus Bear Country, uh, and Fuego del Sol, and Leon Ruffin. I think it was Ruffin. Uh, I didn't really catch his name. This was a really quick match. Basically, uh, this was the vehicle uh, to have the Ass Boys or Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn turn on the Acclaimed and also with Billy Gunn as well. Which, you know, I thought Billy Gunn was teaming with the Acclaimed last week and apparently not. My heart is broken. Uh, this tag team is over. This faction is done with. I really like this faction. Uh, the the Acclaimed and Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn did get the uh, win with a lateral press from Austin Gunn on Bear Bronson. But really, really it was Max Caster from the Acclaimed hitting the mic drop. So uh, Austin Gunn just came in to get the pinfall. But, uh, yeah, post-match, the guns attacked the acclaimed. Billy tried to uh, first prize them off and is like, what the hell, and then attacks them as well. So we're getting the um, Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn versus the acclaimed. And you know what? I'm about it. I just, But I did really like this faction. I could have gone for a little bit longer with it. I thought it was really entertaining. But it looks like um, uh, Anthony Bowens is back, obviously. Uh, good for him. It's good to see him back on his feet out of that wheelchair. So... We're going to get this feud, and this will be fun, and just, like I said, fun, cute wrestling. I just wish this uh, faction had continued a little bit longer, because I really did think it was an entertaining act. Uh, But yeah. Uh, Then we get Miro talking about the differences between himself and Malachi Black, and the similarities between Malachi Black and himself. But he's the Redeemer, he's coming. Uh, just Miro stuff. Miro doing Miro stuff, no complaints about this. And then we got the token women's match. Uh, it's the third, it's the quarter hour, and you know what that means. Uh, Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose versus Thunderstorm, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm getting this victory, and this is where we're going to talk about it, guys. I'm scared. I don't know about you, but I'm scared we are getting AEW women's tag team titles. And wow, is this just the worst idea. It's almost worse than, if not, it is worse than the All-Atlantic title, uh, that idea, because AEW needs no more titles, especially with Ring of Honor still not having a TV deal. We talked about this last week. This company doesn't need any more title belts added to it. We have enough already. If anything, trios titles, but that's it. But I think we are getting women's tag team titles, and the reason I think this is because now we have Thunderstorm. We have Marina Shafir and uh, Nyla Rose. We have Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb. So we've got three tag teams. And according to WWE, that is more than enough uh, to have a tag team division and um, just a tag team division, period. 
<sighs> I just, I really, really don't want this. I think the women are not going to get any more time than they already do. It's not like we're going to all of a sudden get two matches every night. No, we're going to get the same one token match, and they don't need any more titles. They already have two titles to be fighting for. Build feuds, even as simple as Ty Conti and Ruby Soho. Like, that is that is a good start. Build feuds outside of the title division. Elevate other female wrestlers. Elevate other female wrestlers into stars like you did with Britt Baker. And we will have a better women's division. You will want to book them better as well. However, if you continue to just make titles and say, oh, they're fighting for the titles and create some weird division out of nothing. Like, guys, it's this is going to happen. And I'm terrified. Uh, I, I just think AEW is going downhill and this women's division is going downhill in regards to just championships and the validity and, you know, supply and demand. I always talk about it. It's all about supply and demand here. And, uh, yeah, there is no more demand, so stop supplying. Uh, There's no demand for this. If you want AEW Women's Tag Team titles, please tweet me on the Twitter, at Mimi Burris. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, guys. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I don't think I am. I think this is a pretty majority opinion that we don't need more titles in the women's division and we don't need more titles in AEW, period. At least, at least until they figure out what they're doing with Ring of Honor. But even still... Uh, it's just not a good idea, and it's they are not impact wrestling. They do not have the capability. Maybe, maybe a compromise is we have the um, we have a little forbidden door stuff, and we have people coming over from impact with the knockouts championships, the knockouts tag team championships, and we have some matches between AEW and Impact with the women's tag teams there. But really, they shouldn't be fighting in tag teams at all. The women, because why would you fight in a tag team uh, unless it's really it makes sense with the feuds and stuff like this? But it doesn't help your record at all, your singles record, which is the thing that gets you titles matches, and you're not fighting for any championship because there are no tag team titles, so I don't know why they would have tag team matches to begin with if there weren't going to be tag team titles coming, so, uh, yeah. All right, we have Tony Schiavone. It's third. It's the quarter hour, and you know what that means. It's women's time. So Jade Cargill and Stokely Hathaway are backstage. They cut the same, basically, promos. He says, Jade Cargill tells him to cut the you-know-what, and Stokely says that he hired Lila, Layla Gray as an interim baddie. Not an intern, an interim uh, baddie. And uh, it says he says it takes a special kind of finesse to get someone to go from wanting to beat your butt. Uh, he didn't say butt, but to save you like... Uh, like he says, trust the process. This this didn't do much for me. I, I don't know why I really even recapped it. Let's move on. Uh, we had Daniel Garcia cutting a promo about Wheeler Yuta. And, you know, we were watching this and I was thinking, you know what? He, he's doing his best. And I appreciate Daniel Garcia. And I think he's got a lot of growth and development to uh, come along. But I think he he's doing his best and he's putting the effort in. You can really see that. And was this the best promo ever? Was this John Moxley? Like, no. But it... um. I appreciated it. I appreciated the intensity, and uh, he's definitely learning a lot from Chris Jericho. So uh, when we came back, we had FTR cutting a promo about how uh, they were having, I talked about this, they're going to have the match against the uh, Briscoe brothers again. I'm excited for that uh, on Ring of Honor, like I said, and uh, what is it called? Death to Dishonor. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be a great match, and like I said, the first match was incredible. I, I don't know how they're going to top the first match, and hopefully they do, because whenever you have a second match that doesn't really do it, I'm thinking about Daniel Garcia versus Eddie Kingston particularly. They had a really good first match, and then their second match wasn't as good. It's, it's always I, I feel like it even takes away from the first match a little bit, so hopefully this match is even better, uh, because you know it, when the sequel sucks more than the original movie, it, it always kind of brings down the series as a whole. 
And then we had our main event, which was Brody King versus John Moxley, and uh, for the interim AEW World Championship. And the result was never really in doubt for this match. Uh, but these guys kicked crap out of each other, and most of this match was Brody King dominating John Moxley, um, hammering hammering him down, getting him in submissions, beating him around outside the ring. Uh, but then hit him with a pile driver even too. Um, but essentially this match ended with John Moxley referee stoppage. He was in a sleeper and then pulled it into a bulldog choke. And I thought that transition was great and retains the interim interim AEW world heavyweight championship. Uh, good match, really good main event. Like I said, hard hitting Brody King is, uh, this was a perfect slot to put him in and definitely elevated him. This is how you win in a loss. I thought that the um, the John Moxley versus a big guy is just always going to be a success. He does a really good job. Uh, those chops were uh, god awful in the best way possible. But John Moxley does a really good job of playing not the plucky underdog, but just the um, like fighting from underneath, but also still remaining this violent badass. Uh, I think that he did just that in this match. And like I said, those chops were, oh my God. Uh, like they were during the uh, picture in picture. So I'm not sure if everybody got to hear them, but they rung throughout the arena. Really? I'm not, I feel like that's such a cliche saying, but they really did. And, uh, and yeah, these guys beat the crap out of each other for our enjoyment. So I, I really can't complain. I, this was not like my favorite match of all time, but it was definitely entertaining and, uh, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the show as a whole. You guys, I really did. This was a great episode of dynamite. I feel like dynamite is back in form again. And, uh, I'm excited to see who's the next challenger. I hope it's going to be orange Cassidy for John Moxley. And I'm excited to see when, uh, CM Punk is coming back because, I think the collision course is clear with CM Punk and John Moxley, without a doubt. So, yeah, with all that being said, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I'm excited to talk to you guys next week. And, uh, and yeah, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.